station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and movie expert, Melissa Kersher. Hello! But not, as always, uh, by our special guest co-host, uh, Wendy Bowlesby. Hello! Just hands! And Jenna is not here. And Jenna, of mm-hmm. course, is our, our non-movie expert, our non-knowing-about-the-movie person. And she's not here, so we needed to bring in a stunt Jennifer today. So our stunt Jennifer today is Melissa Kersher! Yay! Believe it or not, there's a movie that Melissa has not seen. There is, yeah. We managed to find one, uh, at least. Oh, cat in front of the microphone. Cat in front of the microphone, everybody. Fuzzy. If the microphone gets fuzzy, it's because there's a cat out there. All right. So, uh, the movie that we are going to watch tonight is Cabaret. So, Melissa, because you are our stunt Jenna this evening, you need to tell us what you know about Cabaret. I know a bit. Yeah, I had a um, hunch you might. Y- yes, um, because I know Oscar history. I know it was up for Best Picture Academy Award as well as a whole bunch of other Academy Awards. Uh-huh. Um, it did not win Best Picture, it, but I believe it took both of the big acting awards. So that would be Liza Minnelli and Joel Grey. Hmm. Yes. I believe it, the year was 1973. And I know the... I don't remember years for nothing. It's so. 1972, I, but... Okay, yeah, okay yeah, awesome. One, one I, was year, I was close. I was close. No, I was no, close. she's... I, Melissa's I would, have put, I would have put it into a decade and been happy with that. Yeah, so. early 70s. Yeah. So um, I do know it's set in the Weimar Republic. Okay. Um, so, you know, just before uh, World War II, which would mean, I would presume, Nazis at some point. Indiana Jones makes a special appearance. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, yes, I, I do know Liza Minnelli's in it, and I know it's a musical. Okay. That, that's okay. pretty much it, actually. Okay, that's, uh, you yeah. know, that's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it's a 70s movie and a 70s musical, and 70s are a pretty dark time for musicals. There's not a lot of musicals happening in the 70s. Uh, yeah, uh, people did not make movie musicals. In fact, Bob Fosse, the director, had... They didn't want to. The studio didn't want to give him the job. The producers wanted to give him the job, but the studios did not because he had previously made *Sweet Charity* the musical and it had been a flop. Okay. People weren't making musicals, and if they were making musicals, we certainly don't want to give it to that guy because he just failed. Okay. So it was a it was a bit of a arm twist to get everything working right to get Fosse onto the film. Mm-hmm. So. Uh the guys who wrote this movie, uh, the music for the movie is Candor and Ebb, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. uh, so, just to give you a, and again, non spoilers, we don't really talk about the movie itself, but uh, the movie that I would reference that you would the, recognize the music from that you probably, well, I know you've seen, is uh, Chicago. Oh, yes. So, same people wrote Chicago as wrote Cabaret. And, and, and also Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yes. If I remember right. Yes, because we <laughs> yes. had that conversation. Yes, we've had this conversation, yes. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm familiar with Bob Fosse because I've seen all that jazz. Yes. Sure. Yes. So, 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 so there, yes, there, there's this is all coming together. It all, it all comes together. Okay. And you're familiar with Liza Minnelli because... Because... Yes. Judy Garland is your mother or yes. something. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Things to note. Yes, it was up for all kinds of Oscars. It held for a long time and may still hold the record for most number of Oscar wins without winning Best Picture because Hmm. it took Best Director, the 
Best Actress, Best Actor, which was Minnelli Supp- and supporting? Joel Grey. I thought Joel Grey was supporting. Yeah, he may have been. Yeah. Um, all kinds of technical awards. Um, but they lost out to Best Picture to The Godfather, which, ah, you know, ah, well, you know. Um, it was a good year. And Joel Grey even commented that he was really, sur- no, I, it had to have been Best Actor because Joel Grey expected Pacino to get it. And he didn't. Mm, okay, well, so we'll look it we up. Can, we can look it up. Yeah. Um, we aren't afraid of being wrong on this podcast. What is also <laughs> interesting is that this was Fosse's biggest year because this is where he won sort of the theatrical triple crown in that it in one year he won an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony for three different projects. He won the Oscar huh. for Cabaret. He won the Emmy for the TV special production Liza with a Z. And I forget what he won the Tony for. I was going to look it up, but I forget. But he won a Tony for one of his Broadway shows. So this is like Bob Fosse's year. He never did win a Grammy, though, did he? Uh, he was like one short of an EGOT. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. I don't know. Now I want so, to look that up, too. Uh, yeah, but uh, this is, like I say, it's it's uh, the 70s are a ba- the 70s and 80s really are a bad period for musicals. Uh, and so Cabaret is kind of notable for falling in an era when musicals had really fallen out of, now, out of favor. the stage musical was a huge hit, which surprised them when they made it, because <laughs> Liza Minnelli makes jokes about, hey, do you want to do this show? And she's like, and it didn't have a title yet. And she's like, so what, the Happy Dancing Nazis? What exactly? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, but when they, so they were like, I don't know how this is going to play out because it's, um, because of the subject matter. And it was a huge stage hit, so then they did want to make a movie of it, but movie musicals were on the outs. And yeah. so when you watch it, it's very much a product of the time, and it's very much Fosse, who had a real need for verisimilitude. You can see how he's really controlling and crafting the entire experience of the music in this production. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where we're going to have to leave it there because Mm -hmm. we don't want to give away too much before we go and watch the movie, which Melissa has not seen. So uh, we will go off to watch Cabaret. I hope you do the same. Uh, We will return almost immediately. It'll be like no time has passed. It's podcast magic. Welcome, bienvenue. Welcome. Fremda, étranger, stranger. Happy to see you. rest And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we just finished watching Cabaret. Which is why we're all laughing and smiling. Hey, no, it's such a so happy, no, happy movie. Happy so movie. No, so filled with cheer and Nazis. Uh, <laughs> and so, to go back to what I said before... Nobody expected the musical to be a hit because it's a fucking downer. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty yeah. So anyway, nobody ends happy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Melissa, uh, your first time. You are our stunt Jenna for the evening. Yes, that yes, means, yes. Uh, that you need to tell us what you thought of Cabaret. This being your first time ever watching the film. Well, I think um, I I did enjoy it. Um, I'm I'm still not quite sold on Liza Minnelli as a performer as a whole. I find her kind of scary. In, in most of her roles, uh, she's kind of perfectly cast in the rest of development. So I will say that you know she can be used very well, at, almost as a parody of herself. But at least um, these days, yeah. At least these days, um, but I found 
everybody else around her fascinating, and I really like her interaction with Michael York. I, I like how they interact in the movie, and I really like how the, all of the issues that the movie tackled and in such interesting ways. Like, you know, you have this weird triangle relationship where everybody is sleeping with one another and nobody really quite knows what's going on and you also have the abortion at the end and you have Nazis and you know, rather strange and difficult it, it, and nobody really reacts to them quite the way you expect them to and so in a way, it's kind of like the perfect 70s movie, because the 70s is when all the subject matter opened up and people could suddenly talk about this stuff. They could talk about transvestites and gay people and, and, and you know, non-traditional relationships and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, why, it's why 70s kind of became this weird golden age of filmmaking, because suddenly got all this... Explosion Suddenly you of could different... make films about whatever you wanted to make films about. Yeah, and so you got all this dark subject matter, and 70s filmmaking wasn't all about entertaining the people. It was really digging in in a lot of ways, and Cabaret is a very good example of that. Well, but it's, it is also a true reflection of the 1930s, because oh, absolutely. we forget sometimes just how far the 1930s pushed things before the war mm-hmm. took over. The Weimar Republic, Berlin, was... I mean, that's not a 70s interpretation of what Berlin was like. Oh, absolutely. Berlin was really like that. It yeah. was it was known for sex tourism. They mm-hmm. had... You could buy, like, a guidebook to where to rent people mm-hmm. um, when you got into the city. That's kind of creepy. And, <laughs> you know, and there was a lot of, you know, diverse sexuality. And the, and the cabaret scene in the Weimar Republic in Berlin was absolutely that subversive and oh, just yeah. really, really political. Yeah, I think um, the clever thing that the musical does, and I mean, the stage musical is the same in the sense that there's the action and then there's the performances in the cabaret. And they don't, the performances in the cabaret have nothing to do with the action except they're always commenting on it. Mm-hmm. Well, having done the stage musical, there are a couple of numbers that are more traditional. I'm having a moment, so I'll sing about it. But they, sure. are, never, they are never the main two characters. It's never Sally, it's never the male. In the, in the stage musical, his name's Cliff, not Brian. Um, it's never Cliff and it's never Sally who sing. Um, like, just start breaking into song, Oh, I Love You, or whatever those two it's always in the context of the cabaret but um to the minor characters they fall in love amidst jewish problems and as they do as they do in the film jewish problems um but the when fossey took the the movie on he actually went back to the source source material which was christopher isherwood's stories and so when Christopher Isherwood wrote the stories, they were very autobiographical. Then somebody turned them into a play, I Am a Camera. Then somebody took I Am a Camera and turned it into Cabaret. And oh, along the is way, that where I Am a Camera came from? Yeah, and oh. then it, and it shifts in much the way, same way like okay. Dangerous Liaisons and Les Liaisons Dangereuses. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the same source material, but it's two very different Man, very interpretations. Different yeah. yeah, same sort of deal. Like, um, 
Christopher Isherwood was British. Sally Bowles um, is based on a real person. I'm blank on her name. I think it was Jean something. Mm-hmm. Um, she was American. In the stage play, she's British. He's American. Don't know why. Very yeah, strange. That's strange. But it, as you know, now in the well, movie, probably he's British. She's American. They went back to the source material and they focused a lot more on some of the other stories. And you wonder, it could have just been casting that made that decision for them, too. It's like, oh, Michael York's the right guy for this. I guess his character's British. Boom. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. There were two people cast before Fosse took the job. Uh, Joel Grey and Liza Minnelli. So, and Joel Grey originated the role of the... His character on Broadway. And oh, he then, did, and he won the Tony for it. Yeah. Okay. So he got a Tony and an Oscar for the same character. Wow. And yeah, and <laughs> the producers basically said, "Well, Fosse, you can either have Joel Grey or you can have a different job," <laughs> because he had originally the role he'd won. Right. He'd won awards. He it was like, "No, we want this name on this property." Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, they met and they liked each other, and everything worked out. So. Yeah. Uh, I, to me, one of the interesting things about this film and about Liza Minnelli is this film defines who Liza Minnelli has been ever since. Yeah, it's a That's question. It's a question of did she decide to embody this persona because it was her most popular persona, or is that really all she's capable of as an actress? Yeah, and I, I don't know the answer. But what I know is the haircut that she had in that film is the haircut that she had ever since and every one of her show-stopping numbers was a cabaret number when she would do her television specials or anything like that her dress very much reflected a 30 style well, dress it's, it's the role that made her famous yeah and but it, it, it's it's I, I don't blame her it's not a tragedy but it's very interesting that cabaret defines the rest of Liza Minnelli's life. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I understand what you... I know the complaints about her being annoying, and I agree with them to a large extent, except that I think the character of Sally Bowles needs to be that annoying and over-the-top, needs to be that blindly ignorant of just how foolish she is. So, honestly, I feel like Liza Minnelli does a great job being that part because you need you sally bowles should not be really really likable she needs to be abrasive Mm -hmm. um but and she needs to be foolish and you need to be watching her going oh you deluded thing she needs to be oblivious to what's going on because i that's what the play what the movie is really commenting on is how they're there are people that are simply ignoring what's going on in Germany and they are somewhat complicit in in what is eventually going to happen. And Sally Bowles is that character, that complicit character. She doesn't she's not anti Semitic really. She's not That would pro, require her to think. Yeah, honestly. it would require she's, have she's, an not, opinion. she's not pro Nazi. She she's none of these things, but what she is is simply oblivious. She she doesn't want to care it's an active she actively avoids caring mm. yeah she's ignorant 
Yeah. But she's will, she's willfully ignorant, which is the difference in her character, I think, to some others, in, in that, that ignorance is a choice on her part. <laughs> she's not completely incapable of seeing what's going on, but she absolutely does not want to. But what's, um, what I find fascinating, because I'm a musical theater nerd, about the show is that the intent has been lost especially in the stage show because based on what seeing a theater experience is especially now that going to see a professional theater production is a hundred dollar a ticket uh-huh. right it's yeah. ex- it's fucking expensive the complaint about liza minnelli when she got the role was she's too talented because sally bowles should not be talented she gets yeah. up there and she sings her heart out and she's got these dreams that are way too big for her capabilities but the problem is when Liza Minnelli starts talking about I want to be an actress and everybody tells her oh my god you're so talented she is and Mm -hmm. she is a famous actress and she won the Oscar and so like the problem and the dancers are supposed to be not that attractive Right. Yeah, they've, and, they've got and, that garish makeup. And yeah, and all that stuff does read in the in the movie, except for you know Liza Minnelli belting and out. And it reads her in songs. the movie. Yeah. You can make them a lot you, because Fosse could get away with it, either because movies are a cheaper ticket or because we're willing to buy a verisimilitude, a different kind of verisimilitude. But when you go see Cabaret on stage now, Sally Bowles is a brilliant performer, mm-hmm. right? And the girls may be a little rough around the edges, but they're attractive. Yeah. And so are the boys. Okay? And I told you the story on the Xanadu podcast, but <laughs> yeah, Fosse very much wanted them to look more period and more rough around the edges, so he wanted them to gain weight. So he had food out all the time while they were reducing <laughs> numbers so that the girls would eat. Oh, and I, I, I did notice during the movie it's like wow there's like a variety of body types on stage and you know they're kind of chunky and, and little, some shapes some yeah. shapes yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that was mm-hmm. that was great but you know I, I i did love that the band was you know kind of tinny sounding they're not yeah it's, it's it's a cabaret it's a cabaret yeah and um well and Fosse came from a burlesque background so he would know that vibe mm-hmm. and he was very clearly going for that very seedy countercultural thing what i most appreciate the subtle way he comments on sally's dreams are way too big for her is when she gets up and sings these show-stopping numbers that are numbers that get people to give a standing ovation when you see it on stage mm-hmm. that in the movie nobody's in the audience and they're n- the few people that are aren't paying attention mm-hmm. and when she sings her heart out and finishes the last note there's sort of this smattering yeah of very tepid applause I love that <laughs> I just love it that's Fosse saying she's not all that yeah yeah Oh. Her, her dreams are bigger than her talent. Mm-hmm. And of course, Fosse, it's so funny, we think of Cabaret as a Fosse musical, but Fosse didn't stage it originally. Mm-hmm. It was Hal, Hal Prince, Harold Prince. Harold Prince, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but now, when you do Cabaret, 
you do the Fosse Cabaret because that's what people want to see. And so all the numbers are, re are done in the Fosse style. The numbers that Kander and Ebb wrote for the movie that were not originally part of the stage production are now in the stage production. Um, so there's a lot more music in the show than there used to be because they didn't ax any of the original songs. They just added in the movie songs. Just, just slide them all in there. Yeah, because uh, maybe this time the showstopper mm -hmm. was not written for this movie. No, uh, and Kander and Ebb are very, very bitter about the fact that their their song that should have gotten them an Oscar didn't qualify. Right, because it wasn't written for the film. Ugh. It was one of their trunk songs. Yeah. It, it wow. had been around. They'd written it for some show ages ago. It never and got used. And, that Liza and Minnelli actually, apparently performed all the time. Yeah. Before the movie <laughs> even came out. Because Liza Minnelli was a cabaret act. And it, it does fit. Oh, Which is mm -hmm. the fascinating thing about it. They had this song that Liza Melly performed all the time. And they're like, well, we need a song here. Well, how about this one? Well, Fosse said, I need a song where she's talking about, you know, maybe this guy will actually be the one. And they're like, well, well it's right there. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you could do it. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Damn Except it. I'm Bob Fosse, so I've got a cigarette hanging from my lip, and I'm hunched over, and I'm, I'm looking at the floor. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, folks, if you are rather taken by Cabaret, I recommend you go out and see a movie called All That Jazz, yeah. which yeah. is Bob Fosse directing a movie that's essentially about himself, and it's not a flattering portrait. Oh, God, no. No, but, basically... It, but it's also a musical, and the dance in it is astounding. It, it's like a show-off piece. It's got Roy Scheider. Yeah, Roy, Roy Scheider, Scheider can't playing sing at the Bob Fosse character. He can't sing and he can't really dance. No, but but he's just magnetic in the role. No, okay, I, I wanted to comment. It's funny, when I want to... There are two like ultimate Fosse movies to me, and that's All That Jazz and Cabaret. Mm -hmm. I actually tend to watch All That Jazz more. Because they're, but they're both very tonally similar in that nobody ends happy. And they're they're both seventies movies, and very yeah. much so. Very, but with, very um, much. <laughs> did you know who Fosse originally wanted for the the role of Gideon? No, in no. All that jazz, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> oh, that's great. He wanted Richard Dreyfus. Now picture Richard Dreyfus <laughs> trying to dance, and it just becomes hilarious. Oh, man. But anyway, back to Cabaret. Speaking of Jaws. No, Speaking wait. Of, um, wait. I was in Jaws. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you know a lot about Fosse's life, all that jazz is fascinating. It's not that it's purely autobiographical. It doesn't like go in a linear fashion, but you're like, oh, He's referencing this point in his life with this moment. Oh, that's about that fucked up relationship he had over there. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. So it's mm -hmm. it's great. It's great stuff. It's a great movie. Yeah, and seeing, seeing that movie first, it's interesting to see how it may have informed his interest in doing Cabaret. Um, I, think I think Cabaret came first. Well, I know, I know. But, but I mean... Oh, Knowing that the, 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 the bio, biographical information in all that jazz is like, oh, I can see how that part of his real life would have informed what he was doing at Cabaret. I, I went, knowing I was going to do this podcast, I know a lot about Cabaret, obviously, already. But I was like, oh, I want to kind of brush up and bone up. So I went and I watched some YouTube videos, you know, making of or the history of Cabaret or Bob Fosse. And one of the stories that I heard that I didn't know that I think is hilarious is... 
they wanted their Fosse wanted to direct, so they brought him in for a meeting with the producers, with with the studio people. The producer, I think it's Cy Fewer, I think it was Cy who brought him in. Cy was bringing him in to meet with the other producers in the studio, like people, and and Bob Fosse sat there staring at the floor, hunched over, mumbling his answers. And Cy's like, you know, like, well, you know, and they're like, why do you want to direct this movie? Well, I think I'd do a good job. <laughs> and Cy's like, dude, you have to give them more than that. Oh my God, I want you to have this job, but seriously, look up from the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Joel Gray is so great. Yeah, he he's fascinating. Yeah, it's, when you think wow. about it, he won the Best Supporting Oscar, and he doesn't ever talk. All yeah. he does is sing. Yeah. He won and, the Best Supporting Actor Oscar, and he beat out, I think it was Pacino. We were talking earlier. Yeah. That, yeah. Because well, I'm references. pretty sure Brando won the Oscar for Godfather, and he must have been up for Best Actor, which is odd. It seems weird that Pacino would be best supporting for The Godfather, but mm-hmm. we know how these things play. Oh, it was a huge cast. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, who knows? But yeah, he beats yeah. out whoever, whoever the hell is nominated from The Godfather. Let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. He beat out them. Yeah. Just for lurking around in creepy ass makeup. And, and I mean, singing a song. And, and it's and, not that and I don't think. Corset sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that I don't think he does a great job, um, but it's just one of those, huh? But, yeah, he's very, very creepy. He talked at one in one interview. He talked about how he got to be even creepier in the movie than he even got to be on stage. Well, because like, oh goody. Yeah, once you get because <laughs> the the camera can get right up your nose. So yeah, yeah. And oh, I can see that. That character and, is such a. Well, I mean, I think he's a, the personification of sort of what's going on in Germany. I mean, that's the idea. Well, he, you. It feels like he's almost antagonistic to nice things. I mean, he just feels <laughs> mean. Yeah. Right? yeah. But at the same time, when you look at what he's saying, he's clearly, he's clearly saying the Nazis are assholes, repeatedly throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could see her through my eyes, she wouldn't look Jewish at all. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, having performed the show, it still gets a response, even all these years later. Even when people know the show, there is still an uncomfortable sort of laugh that happens when that line pops up at the end. Because, well, there's still just a lot of hate in the world in there. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I was Melissa going to say I, something. I, w- I was going to say something. Now, I've never seen the stage musical either, which is why, you know. Was well, really walking into this cold, but I do remember seeing the Tony Awards one year, and like the only time I've seen the Tony Awards, and it was the year that Alan Cumming was up for being the Joel Grey character in Cabaret, and they did that bit from Cabaret as part of the Tony Awards, and it may have been the filthiest thing I've ever seen on TV, and that was really striking to me. <laughs> um, well, yeah, when they re- when like, they did whoa. the revival of Cabaret, they. They dialed it to eleven. Yeah, I mean seriously, and and, and Alan, Alan Cumming in that role is amazing. Well, Just he, that snippet I saw. He yeah he had well he had such a lovely androgynous quality mm-hmm. and and just that Alan Cummingness of just 
all he has to do is smile and it's like, oh, suddenly what you just said is filthy. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, and, and I remember after the number was done, they cut over to Rosie O'Donnell, who was doing the pres- presenting this year, that year, and the look on her face was priceless. <laughs> in, in the revival, two ladies... Because in, in the classic and in the movie, it's two ladies, it's the MC and two girls. In the revival, it's the MC, one boy, one girl. Oh, my. So it's much, which normally you'd think, oh, two guys, one girl, and the guys, and you'd, you'd see it more as the guys as co-partners on the girl, about both wanting the girl. But because it's the MC, yeah. one guy, one girl, it's very clearly much more commenting, look at, I'll have sex with anybody. Uh huh. Hi, I'm Captain Jack. <laughs> I'll have sex with anybody. By the, by the way, I've just had shoved in my face that uh, in nominated for supporting actor along with Joel Gray were three of the actors from The Godfather. <laughs> was one of them Pacino? One of them was Pacino, and another one was James Caan, and I was Kazil. I think the third was well, Joel Duvall. Duvall, of course, Duvall yeah. was the third. So Joel so, Gray expected it to be Pacino to win, right? And probably almost everybody else expected it to be Pacino to win, but they maybe probably, the vote was split three ways. I would across. think the vote got split. <laughs> that seems likely. Yeah, not that Joel Gray isn't great. Don't Joel Gray is yeah. awesome, and there's nothing wrong with Joel Gray getting the Academy Award for that role. But honestly, he was exceptional. I, I watch Cabaret to watch the musical numbers. I do because mm-hmm. I I just love them. I love how he stages things, and mine hair just defined his style. So yeah, like just boop. That's it. That's Fosse number. <laughs> <laughs> Does that look really super uncomfortable? Excellent. Why is that sexy? I don't know. It really looks uncomfortable, and yet I'm kind of hot. Okay. <laughs> I love how the movie was shot too. The, the cinematography really showed off the the performances. Yeah, well. I mean, especially in my hair, the yeah. weird angles that he's taking through it to give you that sense of when you're in a small space and sometimes you don't have the best seat in the house and you're going to be kind of staring through people. Mm-hmm. And like even in the big finale where she sings Cabaret and somebody just walks in front of the lens yeah. at one point. I love it. Yeah, even though at it. that point, you know, you don't have to do that. Everybody's got the establishment of we understand that we're, we're in a cabaret now and you could just shoot shoot that scene straight. Let's just shoot Liza Minnelli being Liza Minnelli. Except right. that even in her moment of this mm-hmm. big finale number, it's important to have that comment of she's no big deal. She's no big mm-hmm. deal. She's no big deal. She's just some chick on a stage. Yeah. A tiny stage. A very, very tiny stage. <laughs> yes. Who makes consistently bad decisions. Oh, yes. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> just end to end. A trail of bad decisions in that woman's wake. I, and I also just, found out one thing I didn't know that makes so much clearer. Because I have tried to stay... I have staged very... I've staged mine hair before with different groups of people because it's a popular number. And, of course, I've done mine hair. And it's a pain in the ass, those fucking chairs. Yeah, when they were filming it, Liza's chair kept scooting around because of those awkward poses that she has to take on it. Mm -hmm. They nailed it down. That's no fair. 
chair. I never got to have my chair nailed down. Have you tried adhesives? I'm like, well, that makes sense. A little bit of double stick tape. That would go a long way. Just put it down and then... Because that one where she, like, leans on it and she's stepping, I couldn't... I had to totally reshift how that worked because it, it, the chair just slid all the way across the stage. I'm like, well, what the fuck? I don't know why this isn't working. <laughs> I'm just imagining Wendy doing this. My hand gestures are great. Yeah, so, all... <laughs> <laughs> gestures are great radio. We gestures all... are great radio. So, yeah, the, the chair just got er, scooting, er, just all the way across the stage. We all know with Wendy trailing after Now it. they would just do the chair with CGI. So... <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps Liza Minnelli. Well, and let's think about it. If they did it now, I think it would lack that 70s bleakness. It yeah. would end up being a lot more glossy. Uh, more like Chicago. Yeah. Much more like Chicago. Which the gloss works for Chicago. It does, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work for Cabaret. No, Cabaret is, is very gritty. It, it is. And Fosse, the older I get, the more I appreciate and understand... He's kind of like, um, oh, Aronofsky, who are some of the other just very chilly directors, right? Who who seem when they direct. Well, Christopher always, Nolan's got a distance. Yeah, like Kubrick. Kubrick's very yeah. chilly. Kubrick's very chilly. He, yeah, but I mean, for as much as Fosse's choreography is so earthy, he is always like a step back and it's all very meta with him. Mm-hmm. Everything he does is very meta. Pippin, um, Sweet Charity, there's a lot of commenting on what's happening in like a layered way. And Sweet Charity is, it's a f- fucking book musical and he still, he can't leave a show alone. He, he can't just present it. He always had to try to make it say something. And so with Cabaret, you end up with this distance, which is really exemplified by the MC. I mean, he clearly is taking the MC and using that character as this device to say, I want you to look at this whole thing as a performance. I want you to step back from it and don't become emotionally engaged in the ways that you normally would, but step back and really consider how much of this is being performed. because. Brian's performing. Brian's mm-hmm. pretending all kinds of things. He he needs to go back to Cambridge and get his doctorate. But instead, he he doesn't really explain why he left to go to the sex capital of Europe. <laughs> right. And he's homosexual, but he won't admit it to Sally, or at least bisexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just bad women. Everything Sally does is a performance. Max... Everything he does mm-hmm. is a performance, and yet he gets annoyed. You see him in the dinner scene getting annoyed with the way Sally performs, right? He and Brian share that moment as Sally's going off with all her lies and her her pretendings, and this shared look of nobody buys it, honey. Why would you stop? <laughs> so yeah. It's a fascinating show. I like it. Fascinating. All right, so we got to do final thoughts. Uh, Melissa, final thoughts about Cabaret. I like it. Sweet. <laughs> I like it. I do. I there do. you go. Well done, and that's that's. Oh, a, a oh, great... oh okay. I got a final final okay. thought for you. How awesome was the 
I uh, the the I slept with him reveal, and so did I. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the beat between the two oh, goes so on a pretty long time, and then it happens because yeah. it it would have been a completely different sort of, you know, screw Max. I do, so do I. It, that would have been a lot more one-upmanship, <laughs> but that pause. Yeah. So do I. And then Sally getting pissed. You bastards. <laughs> that would be three bastards. <laughs> that, that was such a nice moment. <laughs> well, maybe not nice, but I liked it. But the it. moment before, I'd never really stopped to consider the moment before that awkward scene in the car between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Where they, they're clearly coming from having sex when you know yeah. what's going to be what he eventually says, right? But they're uncomfortable with each other. So, was this the only time they had sex and it went bad? Or has it, had, did they, why are those two so uncomfortable with each other in that moment? See, I just read it as Nazis aren't sexy. Yeah, Nazis are not. Once you have sex with an anthem. Because it comes right after the Nazi anthem scene. No, yeah, it comes right after it, but it's but clearly you don't know a different what's happened. day. Well, yeah, it is a different day, but, you know, but, I, but, I just... Yeah. Uh, maybe it just leached over from the other scene. Could be. Yeah, it leached over from the Nazi song. Uh, okay, Wendy, final thoughts. <laughs> um, about leeching over from Nazi songs. <laughs> Nazi Well, leeches? I think Bob Fosse died too young. I would have loved to have seen what other works he would have done, but what we do have from him is Cabaret, and it's still one of the... It's still one of the best movie musicals, but it's just flat out just a great movie. Awesome. Okay, so and my final thoughts are, of course, to uh, remind you that we will be coming back in approximately 15 days. Our next episode will be The Conversation featuring Gene Hackman, and we're going to be doing a live recording of The Conversation about The Conversation. We'll be having a conversation about The Conversation. <laughs> Speaking of meta. <laughs> at the Trilon Movie Theater in Minneapolis. That's going to be on June 29th, Sunday, June 29th. Yes. Showtime, 7 p.m. You can come out to the Trilon. You can watch the movie with us and then join in the conversation after the film about The, the conversation. conversation. Okay, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> and we're going to say thanks for listening. Of course, Wendy is on another podcast about movies with Melissa called the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. You should go check it out at ZanimaCinemaPleasureDome.com. I don't care. It's late. I'm tired. The point is, it's a great <laughs> podcast and it has an absolutely kick-ass theme song. So, <laughs> Indeed it does. So we'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.